Hello, friends. Welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Graham, a certified brand strategist and business coach. You might be wondering, why the second phase? The second phase may be a change in careers and learning how to navigate the world of entrepreneurship, a significant lifestyle change, going from stay-at-home parent to starting a business, a traumatic loss, a move, or an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition, you are here to discover your second phase. Learn about creating a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact. To grow as your authentic selves and follow your callings, values, visions, and passions. And to learn how to build a solid foundation for long-term brand and business success. Through interviews and solo episodes, we'll be diving into inspiring stories, life and business journeys of failure and success, and the strategies and tools used along the way. You ready to learn? Grab your coffee, the car keys, or the dog's leash, and let's dive in to this episode. Hey friends, I'm glad you're here. This episode is filled with unbelievable value that will help you connect with your audience on a deeper level and therefore attract more clients. Seth Godin says, marketing is no longer about the stuff you make, but about the stories you tell. We hear a lot about the story brand and how important storytelling is, But how do we tell stories effectively and what stories should we even be telling? And where do the stories come from? How vulnerable should we be with our storytelling? Gabrielle Dolan, author, international keynote speaker and educator is here from Australia to not only share the ins and outs of storytelling to help grow our brands authentically, but also explain why storytelling works and how to tell stories that truly represent our brands and connect with our audiences. Are you ready to master your brand's story and tell it well? I am, and I can't wait to share. Gabrielle Dolan, welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. Thanks, Robin. I am really, really excited to be here. Well, I have to say that I loved your book, Magnetic Stories, and I know it was not your first book, and it's not going to be your last book, but... I loved it. And as a personal branding expert and someone who has, you know, really helped her clients tell their stories, you know, and all of those things, I appreciated it so much. So I would love for you to tell my listeners how you came to this point. I know you were in corporate, but what has been your journey to get to your second phase and then to come up with the idea of, how stories are so incredibly important for building a brand. Mm. I did spend the vast majority of my working career in corporate, although now it's getting very close to the vast majority out of corporate. So, you know, I, I started straight out of school, worked in technology for a long time, progressed through the corporate ranks into senior leadership roles. And that was, you know, about 17 years ago. And what I started to notice in my senior leadership roles is when I shared a story, like a personal story, and not an overly personal story, but just something not related to work, it seemed to have a impact. Like people seemed to get the message better. I sort of started to look around this concept of using personal stories in business. And, you know, this was probably close to 20 years ago. And Not a lot of people were doing it, but what I noticed was the really good leaders were sharing stories, the great presenters were sharing stories. So I did leave the corporate world, took the plunge. I didn't know it was the second phase of my life, but I guess it's just sort of the second phase of your career, but I just did it. Thinking I could teach businesses how to use stories to communicate 
more effectively to communicate their messages, to communicate their brand. And yeah, 17 years ago, if someone, you, you mentioned my book, if someone had told me that I would have published one book, I would have been surprised, let alone seven books or six or seven. I've, I've even sort of lost count. Sometimes you write little books and you don't count them as books. I actually failed English in my final year of school. So I think besides me, Mrs. Bennett's my English teacher would be more surprised than me. That's for sure. Oh my gosh, that is funny. I love that. <laughs> you just never know what the future has in store for you. No, you never know. I've got teenage daughters who are 20 and 17. So Jess, the youngest one, is like sort of going through her final year of school. And, you know, all these people ask them what do they want to be? And they put the, all this pressure on themselves to do well at school. And I just sort of, you know, I don't want to give them the message about, you know, don't even worry about passing school. But the reality is where we are at 17 or 18, or even in our careers at 25 or 30, we've sort of still got no idea where we could end up. Yeah. There's a lot of curves and turns and shifts in the road along the way. And thank goodness for that, because how boring would it be if it was just a straight highway? Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's dive in because I'm really excited to share all of this information. So let's start with, can you just explain to us this whole concept of storytelling? You know, we've all heard about it. We've all heard about the story brand and telling our stories, but how do you explain the entire concept and how it's so effective? Robin, you raised a good point. We're hearing a lot about story and storytelling in business. And I think a lot of people are confused because I think a lot of people are using the word incorrectly. We'll talk about our, I've had a lot of people, clients come and say, this is our strategy story. And I go, okay, that seems interesting. How, How do you have a story around a strategy? And they showed me and I go, that's actually your purpose and your vision and your, you know, values on a page. It's, that's not a story. So to me, it's not about one story. It's not about the overarching narrative that people have. I sort of have a little bit of a chuckle every time I hear that. It's about being very clear on your message. What is your one message you need to communicate? And what is a story you could share to do that? And it can be a personal story or it can be a work-related story. And then the reality is you're going to have lots of messages you need to deliver. So whether you're an entrepreneur or a small business or a you know a leader in a large corporate, you're going to have lots of messages you need to deliver. So it's sort of saying, how could I deliver that more effectively by sharing a really short, sharp, on-purpose, authentic story to do that? Mm, I love that. And when you talk about that, like you've talked in the book about how your stories have to align with your values and your purpose. So if we aren't able to achieve that, then our stories aren't going to be effective. No, if you're sharing stories about, you know, something that you don't believe in, first of all, to me, that's manipulation. And why would you do it? And it's just not congruent. So, you know, if you're sharing a story to your team, for example, about the importance of work-life balance, but you don't live and breathe that, then there's a real disconnect. So they have to be aligned. The stories you share have to be actually aligned to what you do. The other thing is too, you've got to be aware of what your values are. So large companies do this well. They sort of go, these are our values and they put them up on a wall and they print them on coffee mugs. They don't necessarily communicate them well through stories and live and breathe them. But smaller companies and entrepreneurs, especially, you know, solo entrepreneurs just starting out, a lot of them don't spend the time going, 
well, what are my values? What do I want to be known for? What do I want people, you know, when you talk about brand, for me, brand is the stories people tell about you when you're not in the room. So what stories do you want people to be telling about you? Do you want to be known as a trusted person? Do you want to be known as innovative? Do you want to be known as a safe pair of hands? Or do you want to be known as a risk taker? So it's figuring out what you want to be known for, what you and you your business want to be known for. And then obviously doing that, living and breathing that, but also finding stories that you can share that demonstrates that, that sort of, you know, emphasizes those values. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think, you know, so much of our time is spent trying to build the no love and trust factor. And you really can't build trust until people get to know you. Whether they like you or not, I think is a completely different subject, but they have to get to know you before they can trust you. And if they don't trust you, they're not going to buy from you. So when we talk about this, we're talking about telling stories that genuinely connect with other people and they humanize us as a brand. And you said, you know, how in your mind, your brand is, is what are the stories that other people are telling about you when you're not in the room. And I like to say it's what people think, say, and feel about you. Mm. So I think at the end of the day, those stories mold those thoughts and those feelings and those words that people use to describe you. Yeah. And vice versa. So the way people think and feel about you will determine the stories they tell about you and share about you. Robin, I'd love to give you an example because when you said about the trust is really important and you're right, the way we trust people is we can build trust over time or you can destroy trust over time. I think stories have so many benefits and one of the benefits is it can actually fast track trust. So we can fast mm-hmm. track trust really well. Do you want me to share an example of what I mean by that? I, I think, would love uh, it. I would <laughs> love it. How better way to tell us how to tell stories by giving us an example of a story? Exactly. I, I have seen people talk about the power of storytelling for about half an hour and not share a story. I go, hmm, that's yeah. ironic. So let me share something with you that I think will really highlight that, how we can use story to fast track trust. This came from a person and one of her values. So she was very clear that she knew one of her values was around integrity, that it was around about always doing the right thing. And so whenever she would speak to her team or whenever new people would come and work for her, this is the story that she always shared. And, you know, again, you could have a team of one or two people or you could have a team of 10,000 people and it's the same approach. So the framework I take people through and, you know, she was a client of mine is going, well, what does integrity mean to you? And being really, really clear. And it, and it will mean several things like, you know, always being honest or doing the right thing. Or if you say you're going to do something, do it. So you, you pick one of those, you'd be really clear. So one of the keys to really being successful in storytelling is being clear on your one single message. So her, her one single message that she really was aligned with was doing the right thing all the time, just not when it suits us. So that's the culture she wanted to create with her team within her company is we do the right thing all the time. So this is the story she shared. And so when I shared this story with you, I'm going to ask you at the end, do you think it's fast-tracked trust with when you've heard this story? So let's just pretend this is the first time you've met this woman. Maybe you've come and worked for her and she's new to you and this is the story she shares. 
in the early 60s, my dad was a professional swimmer and he reached the point in his career where he actually tried out for the national swim squad. And on the day of the meet, he was apparently winning his race and he got to the end of the pool and he did a tumble turn, but he slightly misjudged it and he missed the wall. Now, this was in the early 60s, so it was way before sensors and they had judges at the top of the pool, but with all that splashing and kicking, he knew that they wouldn't know if he touched the wall or not. And he had to make a split-second decision. Does he go back and touch the wall or does he just keep swimming? And he went back and touched the wall. Now, you don't really recover from a race when you've got to turn around and touch the wall, and, and he didn't. He never placed and he never, ever made the national swim squad. And I would often ask my dad, there must be times where you regret going back and touching the wall. And he would always say, I've never regretted that because if I didn't go back and touch the wall, I would have to spend the rest of my life knowing I did the wrong thing. And I'm sharing this with you because one of the values that I hold dear is the value of doing the right thing. And it's only a matter of time before we will come across our own go back and touch the wall moments. And I invite you to consider what my dad would do. So that story, like she could talk about doing the right thing. She could talk about the importance of integrity, but it's only through that story that it really brings it to life. And when I share that story in my training workshops, I often ask people, "Go, so what are you feeling? And that the first thing people say is, I trust her. Yeah, well, yeah, she was raised with integrity. She was taught from a young age that you do the right thing. And yep. it's so funny because I'm in the process of writing my first book and I'm working on the first revisions right now. And that's one of the things that I say repetitively because it's for teen girls and it's do the next right thing. Yeah. Do the next right thing. And yeah. it will take so much stress and anxiety and pressure off of you if you just do the next right thing. So I love that you tell that story. But the other thing is I can totally see how that builds trust, but it's also not necessarily her being vulnerable, but her father was vulnerable in telling her that story. And he was vulnerable in going back and touching the wall. So that brings me to my question. And you touch on this a little bit in the book about vulnerability. How vulnerable do we need to be? And that goes to the question, I guess, or applies to the question of, where are we getting these stories and how much do we need to tell and how vulnerable do we need to be in order to truly make ourselves approachable and see more human and build those emotional connections? Yeah. And it's a good question because sometimes we think, okay, well, if integrity is important to us, I have to share a story about me showing integrity. And it was like, no, not really. Because in this story, you could see it wasn't even a story about her. It was a story about her dad. But by default, it's exactly what you took from Robin. She was raised this way. She was raised from a child that this is the right thing. It's not like just some business or corporate values she's you know trying to peddle. So it doesn't have to be your own stories. Stories about how you were raised and from your childhood. And normally the message is coming from your parents or a teacher or a mentor but because it's had such an impact on you, like by default, it's what you believe in. So that's one good thing. The other thing where you find your stories, some of the really powerful stories is when you haven't lived the value and the regret you have and the lesson you learned that they can be some of your most powerful stories. But in answer to the question about how vulnerable you need to be, it's a little bit like how long is a piece of string? Because it, it really depends. I think one of the 
misconceptions about storytelling is people think you have to be really vulnerable and you don't. Like, you know, Anne's story there was so powerful and it's sort of not showing any vulnerability about it. It's showing a bit. I think think we have a misconception of vulnerability. Vulnerability can be, you know, I don't always get it right. That's just I've made a mistake and we've all done that. I I love the work of Brené Brown around vulnerability Mm -hmm. and you're probably all across it, I know, but, you know, we've been sort of raised that showing vulnerability is a weakness where she will say it's our greatest sign of strength and courage. But what she also says is we're actually reluctant to show vulnerability to others, but when others show it to us, we really admire and respect and connect with it. And that's the power of story. So how vulnerable you will be will be depend on your audience. So you might be a lot more vulnerable with in a one-on-one situation with someone from your team, maybe not so vulnerable standing up on stage speaking to a thousand people. So the situation and may depend. The current relationship you have may depend on how vulnerable you are. And we know this in our personal lives. Our very best friends, we are really vulnerable with someone we've just met, maybe not so much. So it depends on the relationship. But just as the story I shared about going back and touch the wall, it can be the chicken and the egg thing. So some people won't show any vulnerability to they have such a strong relationship. But if you have a bit of courage, showing that vulnerability will, will strengthen that relationship. So what do you do first? So I think it all depends on your message and your audience and how comfortable you are. I know from experience from myself and I know from experience from what leaders, other leaders have done, when you show vulnerability in the right way, it can be really, really powerful. I love that. I think it too depends on, like you said, who your audience is and the message you're trying to convey, but it has to start from that clarity around the message first. Yeah. One of the biggest mistakes people make around storytelling is they try to put too many messages into their story. And especially when it comes to brand storytelling, there's several reasons why I wrote the book. But one of the reasons is the amount of clients that would come to me and say, can you help us write our brand story? A, brand story doesn't exist. There's not one brand story. You can't communicate your entire brand through one story. You just can't. I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad. When my companies do that and I look on their website, it's like our story. It's just uh, paragraphs of words that mean nothing because they try to capture. It's normally full of jargon around, you know, we deliver sustainable results using best practice, blah, 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 blah. That means nothing. You need lots and lots of stories to deliver your brand. Well, I think that's where the approachability and the human connection comes in. The more stories you have that we can relate to as humans and almost envision ourselves having experienced those stories, you're building that emotional connection, which obviously is what's going to help us build trust. Yeah. I see a lot of entrepreneurs that sort of want to be bigger. They sort of feel like Mm -hmm. it's just me and maybe a really small team and they want to feel like they need to play the bigger game. And so everything on their website's looking like they're a big company and they're not sharing the story. So again, one of the other reasons I wrote the book is I would hear entrepreneurs tell amazing stories and go, please tell me that's on your website. Please tell me that you share. And they go, oh no, I share it internally, but not externally because I don't think anyone would be interested. And I was like, no, that is what everyone would be interested. A really quick example, I was at an event that I I was speaking at and after dinner I was speaking to this woman who owned a couple of childcare centres. 
And so I said, oh, that's, you know, how's that? And I go, how did you get into that? And she went, well, I used to be a dentist. And it was like, oh, (laughs) this is a change. This is what she told me. She goes, I used to be a dentist, but it took me and my husband, it took us like about 10 years to get pregnant. We we found it really hard to get pregnant. And when we finally did get pregnant and, and had our son, when I was looking for a childcare center to put him in, I just wasn't happy. I just wasn't happy with any of the childcare centers I looked at because I just kept thinking, Jimmy wouldn't love this. He wouldn't love it. And she goes, so I just decided to buy one and build childcare centers that my son would love. And I just went, please tell me that's on your website. Because if I was looking for a childcare center, I would just read that story and go, sign me up. And she didn't. She goes, oh, we share it in- internally. Like every every decision we make is based on, would Jimmy love this? She goes, but we don't, well, we, and I don't think it's appropriate to share externally. It was like, oh no, what a missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Did she follow your advice? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Entrepreneurs shy away from the why. Why? Because I would, you know, normally if you speak to any entrepreneur, the fact that they're an entrepreneur means they're passionate about something. Mm-hmm. That, that's why yeah. they're doing it. And if yeah. you go, why are you passionate about that? And you keep going, but why? Ask them a few times. There will always be a story there. And it was like, I would say, find that story and share that because that's going to show everyone why you're passionate about what you do. And from what you've said, we don't have to dig as deep as we think we have to dig to find those stories. Yeah, exactly. It sort of comes back to the vulnerability piece. Like you don't have to be overly vulnerable to share why you're passionate about this. You know, it could be, it depends on the, you know, like some people go, you know, my parents died when I was young and I did this. And so some stories are really vulnerable and really emotional, but they don't have to be. It's like, Mm -hmm. we're not going to find vulnerable stories. We're going to find stories. And if it ends up that some are more vulnerable than others, then all good. Yeah. Yeah. So you talk in the book too about I keep saying that you say in the book, but I mean, the book was so good. And I just, it was such a quick read because it just, the stories that you tell and the examples you give just sucked me right in. But I love writing that book because of all the amazing stories that I got to share from. So good. Even my mum, who, you know, like, God bless her, 86, nothing to do with business. She goes, Oh, I loved your book. I loved reading. And so, you know, it's it's a good yeah, read. No, it is a yeah. good read. And you mentioned your mom in the book too. <laughs> so, but you talked in the book about sometimes stories have currency for years and years. So I want you to talk a little bit about that because, you know, as a business coach, I talk to my clients oftentimes are so intimidated by the idea of creating content and having to come up with ideas and come up with different subject matter and then having to share, you know, multiple pieces of content on multiple platforms. And I always say repurpose, repurpose, repurpose. So I would love to have your perspective on sharing, taking those stories and, and really using them for years of opportunity and repurposing in them in different ways. So what are some of those different ways that you suggest repurposing or retelling those stories? Like how do we get that longevity out of our stories? And then when is it time to say that, okay, people have probably heard this enough. They're getting bored. You've all heard me talk about the necessity to build a solid foundation for your business in order to have long-term success. As an entrepreneur, the core of that foundation is having a personal brand. So how much do you know about personal branding? Are you ready to find out? 
just head over to therobingraham.com forward slash resources and take the personal brand IQ quiz. After you take the quiz and submit your answers, you'll have an opportunity to not only get your results, but to ask me any of your personal brand and business specific questions. I cannot wait to see what your results are. And even more important, I can't wait to have your questions come in so that I can help you grow your personal brand and that solid foundation for long-term success. Yeah, good questions. So first of all, as entrepreneurs, there'll be a handful of stories that you just keep retelling all the time. And, you know, certainly the stories about why you started the company and why you're passionate, those stories will just become part of your suite of stories that you share all the time. So a couple of things, when do we stop telling stories? Often we think we should stop telling stories because we're bored with them. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. like, and you think, I've told this story hundreds of times, but it's a new audience. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, could you imagine a rock star going, I'm sick of singing this song and you go and watch them and they don't sing their number one song because they're sick of hearing it. So Don't stop telling stories because you're sick of hearing it because if it's a new audience, it's a new experience for them every time and especially if it's a story that you know works. So don't stop because you're bored. One of the clients I spoke about in my book, uh, he started a wine company about 10 years ago after he was devastated in bushfires and he got a grant and he thought, I'm going to stop telling my story because the company sort of grew a bit and he goes, it's bigger than me. And he got all these investors and the investors told him, please don't stop telling your story because that's the biggest marketing thing you have is why you started this company. So he said to me, he goes, so I just got over myself and kept telling the story. Yeah. And the other thing with repurpose. So when it comes to repurpose, you don't want to have one story and repurpose it for different messages. So you don't want to do that. So you don't want to be going, oh, like changing it because that, that could be bad. But if you've got a one story, how can you repurpose the content, which is what you were talking about? And that is write a blog about it, do a video about it. You know, if it's a really good one and you're on a panel, speak about it. If you're doing a presentation, speak about it. What I've found with content, a lot of people go, but I've already shared that story. Like I I wrote about that a year ago, or I wrote about that three years ago. The reality is your audience keeps changing. And the reality also is your clients and your audience don't read everything you put out there. (laughs) They just don't. I've got no science behind this at all, but my thing is your audience only reads about a quarter of what you put out. Mm -hmm. And this comes from no research at all. It comes from, ironically, a story where I had someone come to me and said, I love your monthly newsletter. Every time you put out your monthly blog, I read it religiously. And I went, thank you. I write it weekly. It's just like so I put something out every week and I've got one of my biggest fans telling me she reads everything I put out religiously every month. It was like, Mm -hmm. you know, so repurpose, repurpose, repurpose because I agree with you, Robin. Put it out there as often as you can. Yeah, I agree too. And I think it's such a time saver, number one, but I think there's just so much power in the story that you're right. And, you know, when you look at, there actually is data out there on, you know, open rates for email and, you know, how many people open your email list? Well, it could be anywhere, you know, I think the average is like maybe 15 to 30%. So Mm. 
if that's the case, you could send that same email out and different people are going to open it every time you send it out for the next month, right? Depending on the size of your, of your email list. But the same thing applies to like blogging. You mentioned blogging and you can take a blog post that you did around your story six months ago and add a little bit to it, change it just a little bit, add a couple more links, hyperlinks, you know, external links, internal links, whatever. And that's a whole new blog post that Google's going to see, oh gosh, they're putting out more value around that story. So anytime someone searches something around that, you're just going to help pull traffic into your website. So I highly encourage repurposing. So I'm I'm so glad you agree with that. Yeah. And it's, it's also a combination, absolutely repurpose the stories, you know, that work, but also be on the lookout for new stories. Of course. Have that nice balance. Yeah. Yes, of course. Because you don't want to get inundated with, oh my gosh, I've heard the same thing 30 times. Yeah. So you you certainly don't want to get to the point where people are going, if I hear that story one more time, it's just like, you don't want to get to that point. Yeah, I'm cutting her off. Okay, so lastly, I would love for you to talk to us about the five types of stories because I think this is a good way to kind of sum up the entire conversation. Yeah, cool. Okay, let's great. Let's do that. So yeah, when I was writing the book, I had I had a chapter that was titled The X Number of Stories That Businesses Need to Share because I had no idea how many types of stories there were. But by researching the book, and I had so much fun writing this book, you know, I got to speak to amazing companies from all around the world, from, you know, the Columbia Restaurant in Florida, which is the oldest restaurant in Florida, to, you know, bakehouses in Melbourne, to iconic hotels in Singapore. I just had because some companies are doing amazing stuff from big companies to really small, small, you know, companies and entrepreneurs. And what I found is they sort of fell into five different types of stories. And they actually ironically all start with C. It's nice when that matches up. Mm-hmm. The first one is the creation story. And this is either how the company started or how a product started. And so, and it's the reason I called it creation, because if it was just how the company started, we often call that the founder story or the origin story, but it's around how the product can start too. So, you know, the the story I shared about the woman who owned the childcare centers, that's a creation story. This is why she started it. So that's the first one. The other one is the culture story. So a culture story is around your values. So the story I shared about, you know, the go back and touch the wall, that's a culture story. Part of your culture is integrity or doing the right thing you've got to be sharing personal stories to do that. So you do have to share personal stories. You can also share work-related stories. So you can share stories about, you know, you worked with a client and it's all around integrity and doing the right thing. And you can absolutely use those. The personal ones are the most powerful. So think of those personal stories. So that's culture. The other one is community stories. So what are some of the things that you're doing that's, you know, the good things in the community? It's not about your corporate responsibility stuff. Yes, you can talk about that, but I'm not just talking about that. You might have some employees that, you know, in their spare time are volunteering to go save whales somewhere, right? Share that story because by default, people are going, wow, you've got really cool employees, which sort of paints a good light on yourself. And the other one is uh, customer stories. So again, this is going beyond just customer testimonials. Is there an opportunity to share stories that make your customers the heroes? So again, highlighting the good things they're doing, the amazing things that, you know, the outcomes they've achieved and, you know, 
by default, again, it will paint a really good light on you. And the final one is a challenge story. So how have you responded to a challenge? What have you done? Now, the thing is, you don't have to be too hung up on, oh, is this story a challenge story or a culture story? Because sometimes I could cross both. The idea of providing five examples or lots of examples under the five types is to sort of show people and inspire entrepreneurs and companies to go put the story out there. Just to share another one, a quick another one with you, Robin, as a great example of what a story could do for entrepreneurs and how you don't have to be too much caught up on what type of style it is, is during, I could have had another category, C category called coronavirus, coronavirus yeah. stories. Just- <laughs> I'm kind of glad you didn't. I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry to claim it. Let's just move on. But, and, and the most of the time they fell under challenge anyway. So a really, really quick example, March last year, when we all went into lockdown. There's a gin company called Archie Rose in Sydney, Australia, and they were relatively new. They were only about five years old. So a pretty new new company, a new brand. And they made gin. What happened is when we went into lockdown, they actually had a bar associated with their distillery and they were really concerned that the 15 bar staff that they had would lose their job. Overnight, they made a decision on the Friday to swap production from making gin to making hand sanitizer, as as we all knew there was a massive shortage. And when I say immediately, within three days, by the Monday, they had produced 7,500 bottles of hand sanitizer. So in three days, they had, you know, got all the legal requirements, changed the production, sourced bottles, designed labels, printed labels, they went on over the next few months to produce over 100,000 bottles of hand sanitizer. They not only saved the jobs of their 15 bar staff, but they were able to employ another 15 people in the, the local town that had lost their jobs in the hospitality region. So a couple of things that that story, they shared that story and it got picked up. It became worldwide. They were on Japanese TV. They were on UK. They had, they were, interviewed all around the world because the story really resonated. I had actually heard that story before I read your book. See, there you go. There you go. Mm -hmm. So in regards to what type of story that is, yes, it's a challenge story. It's an absolute culture story because they were living and breathing their values. You could also say it's a community story. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if they still make hand sanitizers. They probably don't. But if they can still continue to have a product around hand sanitizers, that's the creation story. It's the creation story of that product. When I, I spoke to the head of marketing, because I researched them for the book, and uh, you know, she just said that they're on the back of that story, they their database doubled in size. So I think they went from 50,000 to 100,000 over a few months. And she said, as a brand awareness activity, she goes, I would put that it increased our brand awareness to probably about 18 months of where we would have been or, or should have been based on that story now. And that's in, you know, live and breathe your values, do the right stuff. And then sometimes the stories get created from that. Oh, I love this so much. Love it. Live and breathe your values. And I always say, if you're struggling to find clarity, you go back to your values, your visions and your passions, and that's going to lead you to your purpose and it's going to lead you to your stories. So yeah, perfect. I love, love, love that you said that. 
Yeah, and in the book too, I sort of talk about this um, cyclical thing of, you know, we create stories like that, but then you've got to find, you either find stories and communicate them or when things happen that create stories, still communicate them. Don't just assume, don't leave it. Don't leave it to chance that people might find out about it. You know, put it out there. This is your content. Put it out there and communicate your stories. Don't do it in a way that's sort of bragging and big noting yourself, but do it in in a... a way, you know, show humility, show a bit of vulnerability, and that's what people will connect and engage with the story about that. Yeah, nobody's going to connect with someone being arrogant, but if you do no. it in a way that shows that you're humble and that you care about your community and your audience, I think you're going to make a lot of positive waves. Absolutely. Gabrielle, this was so fun to talk to you. I just, I enjoyed the book and I just have loved every second of this conversation and you've shared so much value. So in the intro, I said, this episode is so full of value and oh my gosh, like no disappointment here. So, so good. So would you please tell everyone where they can find you, connect with you, learn more from you and purchase your book? Yeah, so the best place to go is gabrieldolan.com, my website. Uh, There is, if you're interested in sort of how you start with storytelling, there is a seven-day storytelling starter kit. So it's free and you'll just get an email from me with a little video for seven days that sort of will get you started on your your storytelling, get you help think about the stories you could share. And the book, Magnetic Stories, it's available by all the usual suspects, Amazon, wherever. Wherever you buy your books now, your Magnetic Stories will be there. And I will put the links to all of that in the show notes so people can easily access that. And I'll have your social media links as well. Excellent. So that people can go and like and follow you and become your crowd too. (laughs) Yes. Good. Excellent. Yeah. Listeners, if you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, I would be so grateful if you would leave us a rating and review. Ratings and reviews are what are going to help us spread the word about the show and this incredible content. And also, if you know anyone who is wanting to become an entrepreneur or is struggling with clarity around their message and is looking to discover how to tell stories, please share this episode with them. Send it and tag them on Instagram or Facebook, wherever you are. Are hanging out on social media. And I thank you all for staying to the end and listening. I appreciate you. Until next time, don't forget to smile. And that's a wrap, friends. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review. That would mean the world to me. If you know someone who could use the information shared today, please share the episode with them too. And let's connect. You can find me on Instagram, Clubhouse, Facebook, and LinkedIn as The Robin Graham. Lastly, if you'd like more information on personal branding and brand marketing strategies, be sure to join my email list and the Female Entrepreneur Insider Facebook group. We are there every week with tips and trainings to help you build a solid foundation for brand and business success. And don't forget, on the website, you can find a plethora of free resources. Go to therobingraham.com forward slash resources and download any of the free resources that I have created to help you build a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact. Until next time, remember to smile.